Welcome to the Amazon Legends Podcast, where we have real stories about making it big on Amazon. Our guests are CEOs of large companies and entrepreneurs who became powerful sellers, also experts specializing in helping sellers, and both former and current Amazon employees who will give us an insight from behind the scenes. Here's your host, Nick Urison. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Amazon Legends. Now, my guest today is David Clark. David is the president and CEO of Palsy Inc. He is a serial entrepreneur and he pioneered pet tech in his previous company, Petzilla. And now he's founded Palsy. And uh, if you've never heard pet tech, tech has found its way into all kinds of businesses and food tech. And, uh, you know, is, is one of them that a friend of mine is, is in it. And now I meet David in pet tech. So we're going to learn all about it. And then he actually started his first company in high school. And since then, David has been in leadership, founder and CEO roles for 30 plus years creating small, large, as well as public companies. And most of these companies have had successful exits and he continues to develop new ones, even though he has retired multiple times. So that happens to be his passion. His new company, Posey, for those who are pet owners, are going to love this company because um, he's developing an app an all-inclusive hub for everything pet, everything all about pets, connecting pets and pet parents with valuable data-driven recommendations and tools. So if you think about it, these days it's all about data. And if you know certain essential things about your pet, then you can treat accordingly. So you can imagine the kind of products that that he will come up with connecting to this app. For example, it will have physical devices such as a treat dispensing camera to interact while away, an intelligent feeder that dispenses food based on the, the, your pet's specific needs at the time. These are only the beginning and uh, there's gonna be more and it's, it's gonna be beyond your imagination. So uh, I can't wait to hear all about it. But um, before that, I want to ask David, because he has a very unique experience with Amazon. And he got into an Amazon program. At the time, the program was not even known to anybody. And he totally capitalized on it. So uh, David, tell us what that program was. And how did you get into it? And, 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 and how did you leverage it? Well, uh, Nick, Thank you for the flattering introduction. It's very much appreciated. And uh, as any entrepreneur can tell you, if they tell you that every uh, uh, company they've started was a grand success, then they're not yet a true entrepreneur. But uh, to get to your question, we were very unique. And it when we launched Petzilla and we technically coin the phrase pet tech. And this was a decade ago. And this was just when IOT devices were starting to enter the home. 
uh, baby monitors, those, those types of things, Wi-Fi, smart device connected uh, products. And it was an uphill battle because we were creating a vertical within PET that didn't exist, plain and simple. So it was all about education. And we started with an initial product, a treat cam, the Petsy treat cam, which is still available. And that device allowed you to check in on your pet, see them, speak to them, take pictures of them, but most importantly, dispense a treat at the end of your interaction from wherever and whenever you are at the moment. And it really struck a, a chord. I mean, it's Pavlovian in, in many ways. The, the pet's likely going to come because they know they're going to get a treat when they hear the cute little jingle from the device. And we did an Indiegogo campaign and it was, it was interesting. It was a lot of work, but that being said, we got a lot from it. And what most people don't understand with Indiegogo and Kickstarter, not about just the money, you know, the money is <clears throat> and we raised money, but I would contend that we received awareness and print and PR that never could have been accomplished any other way by being doing a crowd fundraiser. And that's what brought us to the attention of Amazon. And we were working with Amazon for our cloud services and we received a call and it was a new group within Amazon that saw the benefit of these new unique ideas and saw the success they were having, which is validated by the money they're raising because, you know, people want the products or the dogs are eating the food as it goes. Um, so they approached and we were the, I want to say the 13th product that was approached and their entire thesis was that if we approach these young companies that have these great products, we can basically be their go-to-market strategy. And in a lot of young companies, that's a challenge, you know, creating a product, having a great idea, easy, you know, executing on it, difficult, getting it to market, even more so difficult. And this division of Amazon, which was under a code name and we were under NDA and everything during its evolution. And when it finally um, launched, it was named Launchpad. And Amazon Launchpad continues today to bring young entrepreneurial companies to market and, and do it in a magnificent way. And it gave us priority within Amazon. They um, gave us high exposure. Uh, our product was featured on National Dog Day on the Amazon website to hundreds of thousands of views. And it, they, in every way, 
did launch the company initially. How did, how did you find out about this, this program? Actually, we, were, we had the benefit of them contacting us because at that time they were combing through Kickstarter and Indiegogo <laughs> and looking for unique, cool products that, that the consumer wanted via their donations pre-launch. So they contacted us and we assisted them in many ways. And I've been to their headquarters multiple times and met with the different teams and they, you know, they really supported the companies that utilized Launchpad. And it's more than just a unique space on Amazon. It's, it's truly an experience and a benefit to a young entrepreneurial company because you get attention throughout Amazon that you would another, you, you would not get otherwise. Uh, they introduced us within Amazon to the key people at AWS and, you know, we created a great relationship and they introduced us to, uh, actually investors and they supported us as a startup company. So it, we were amazingly fortunate. So uh, what I'm hearing is you, what started this thing was Indigo, right? You were on Indigo. Indiegogo, yeah. <laughs> That's how they started. And then what I'm also hearing is this is not something where you just get listed in a separate area. You, you, you have a team that's working with you and this is a big deal. I, I, I'm sure every startup would dream of getting Amazon's assistance, right? Yeah. I, I would say that they're working for you, not with you. And it is their charter to launch new and unique products and brands. And that is what they do. And I go back there regularly and find really neat things that I didn't even know existed and will purchase them through Amazon Launchpad. So I remember seeing... <clears throat> In one of the Shark Tank uh, entrepreneurs, I believe he had a he had some kind of a surfboard, and I remember them having a meeting at Amazon headquarters and making a deal about the the launch and how they will promote. That must have been Launchpad because that's what you're describing. Um, well, no, Launchpad is within the walls of Amazon and utilizes all of its tools and all of its data to ensure that your products meet the eyes of those that are potentially interested. We were actually approached by Shark Tank as well early on and got quite far down the road, but ultimately we were... Um, a bit beyond them because, because of their significant, uh, legal documents and their requirements, it simply didn't make sense for us at the time yeah. because it would have required a significant amount of, uh, resources from a managerial standpoint and internal standpoint. And, once you finally get on, 
um, there's a, an additional lag to when you actually air and whether you get a deal or you don't. And at that point in time, they just weren't writing big enough checks. We were already out value mm -hmm. from the typical $300,000, $400,000 checks. Yeah. Since that time, they've risen their investment amounts and they've encountered an issue where people go on Shark Tank now uh, just for the publicity. They're not even looking to make a deal. They just know they're going to capture 8 million eyeballs. Yeah. No, uh, it's uh, all about ratings. Yeah, it's all about ratings. Yeah. And Amazon's different. You know, I mean, Amazon Launchpad and Amazon in general, you know, they take your product and they put it um, in front of the right people. Yeah. So, David, let's address the biggest question here. What does this cost? I mean, how how do they, obviously, they, they Amazon is in the business of making money at the end of the day. So providing all these services, and we know that generally some categories like electronics is less, but usually they collect 15% on every sale. In your case, what is the nature of the relationship and the cost that go with it? Well, one of the benefits of being with Launchpad was that we had preferential treatment in that the, it, the Amazon margin was less and we got exponentially more for it because again, they were, you know, within their charter of launching us as a brand and making us a success. Separately from that, you speak towards 15% Amazon and, and, you know, go to market methods and Amazon, again, with Launchpad, they're like, listen, you've got a great idea. People are interested. You develop it and bring it to market will be your go to market plan. And I, through my years, spent a lot of time working with retail, mass retail at Petsy, Petzilla, we were in all the major retailers, uh, Best Buy, Target, Walmart, Bed Bath & Beyond. Take your pick of national retailers. And I had, I had done business with them and we had created tremendous distribution channels. But within retail, they need 40 to 50%. And there are other challenges that come with retail in regards to stocking. You have a lot of inventory in a lot of stores. And just a clear example is, is that you see something that you want and you go to Best Buy, your stores sold out. They sold the 20 units that they got, but yet umpteen other stores have the 20 units they got and they're not selling. So there's an inefficiency of having the right product, having a product in the right place where it's selling. And that's eliminated with Amazon. And as is the um, other just general inefficiencies with retail, we went retail because we had to educate the consumer because this product had never before been available and was brand new. So we had to educate them. So it was a period in time, uh, you know, eight years ago where people wanted to see, touch, feel things. 
And as we, or at least as I've recognized that the consumer base has changed, COVID has driven it, and people are much more um, compelled to make a purchase online, knowing that, you know, if it isn't everything that it's promised to be, that it's a simple return and they don't have to leave their house. Yeah, I mean, that, 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 that's so true. Uh, it's, first of all, you said a few things that are very valuable to identify as a challenge. Educating the consumer is the most expensive part of market, right? So, because if they don't know, and of course, that education has to be touch, feel kind of education. You can, if it's a new product, they need to know and they need to look at it and play with it. And uh, so that's one. The second thing is uh, now it's become the thing that everybody does. But eight years ago, you said those days going into a store and then looking up the same item that you see on the shelf on Amazon, that was new, right? So that, that was really, so how much business could you generate through that kind of habit? It was not much. It was just starting. Now, everybody does it. I mean, the right. way they are just simply going to stores just to look at things, not to buy things. And that they just go place it online. So uh, so it's the, the demand has grown tremendously. So education is now there. And the demand is there through that kind of behavior. So it's a, it's a very different world. I mean, it's only eight years. It's, it's not a long time. Well, you know, it's funny. You know, it's, it's Moore's law, how technology, you know, compounds year over year. And, you know, Amazon has done an excellent job of capitalizing on that. And I would contend that the one of the great contributors beyond COVID when we were all stuck at home and even us old folks started ordering things online and, and getting used to it. But the generational change right now is very compelling. And I'll, I'll use pet, which is my industry as an example. And back then, 10 years ago, we were selling this unique new device that operates through Wi-Fi in your home, through your smart device to baby boomers. And it was all brand new. There was skepticism. There were challenges. Again, education. But fast forward to today, and two-thirds of all pet purchases, which exceeded $100 billion in the United States alone last year, are made by Gen Xers, which are you and I, and millennials and Gen Z's coming right behind. And these individuals, and arguably you and I, have gotten extremely comfortable. Would you not say? Oh, yeah. With the, with the smart device and ordering online? Spoiled, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's interesting is, and I went through this, and I don't know if it's a glitch for my upbringing or whatever the case, but when I started utilizing Amazon for myself, I would wait until, you know, like I had a lot of things in my cart to hit purchase and have them sent. 
And since and, and through COVID, I literally via the app, you know, will be walking across the house and recognize something I need, look it up, click on it, put it in my basket and click done. And it's there the next day. Well, if you are a prime member, yeah, there's no need to wait because we used to, you know, in the early days, there was shipping charge. You know, it was, now nobody wants to pay shipping, so right. there's no shipping. And of course, there's a price to pay for it. And Amazon came up with the perfect formula with the prime membership. Well, and, you know, another unique aspect of doing business with Amazon um, from my position when we were shipping boxes is that they have a network that rivals UPS and FedEx and the actual cost to get a device from one of their distribution centers or a package from one of their distribution centers to your front door is extremely streamlined and competitive. Yeah, yeah. And they're doing it overnight. Yeah, I mean, you said it exactly. Streamlined is as valuable as competitive <coughs> rates because it's right in their portal. They don't, you don't have to do anything yourself. It comes off your settlement every other week. So I want to go back to Launchpad because this is not, I don't believe that everybody knows about Amazon being a seller on Amazon. Uh, people also know about being a vendor to Amazon where Amazon buys from you. So in Launchpad, what's the nature of the relationship? Are you selling to Amazon at wholesale price or are you the one deciding the end user price and you are actually making the sale yourself? Well, it depends on your product and category and everything associated with it. But uh, in our experience, and it's all I can speak directly to, is that Amazon would place a purchase order from us and we would ship pallets of product to an Amazon warehouse. And they handled everything from there. And Amazon was the customer. And one of the funny things is I I say it all the time. Um, Not only was it efficient, but we would receive the, you know, invoice and know when they received the product in a warehouse. And we had terms. We gave them terms. And what were the terms? Um, Gosh, you know, I can't remember exactly in that day, but let's call them net net forty five. Okay. On it's, the, not, it's not ninety days like most of these retail. Well, challenges. yes, and that's the other challenge with retail. And then they deduct returns and yes. everything else. On the forty fourth day, the money was in my account. It was like clockwork. There was never a question. There were never significant line items for deductions or marketing development funds or or anything that was unexpected. And it it just, being a young company, cash flow is king. And, you know, Amazon is extremely professional in recognizing that. So let me tell you something interesting. 
this I cannot say hundred percent with hundred percent certainty this applies to Launchpad, but I have a feeling it does because Amazon is a company of <coughs> systems and processes and automation. So what happened was when I created my seller account, we would get paid. You know, sellers get paid every other week. Right. And it was every Tuesday. And our settlement would come out at like 6.30, around 6.30 p.m. Eastern. So what that means is all the shipments that you submitted the shipping data for until 6.29 would get paid at 6.30. Right. So one day I called up. And, you know, those days you could speak to people now for this kind of stuff. I don't know if there is anybody who's... Yeah, getting a human on the phone is difficult <laughs> in any industry right now. Yeah. Uh, for any, any, any uh, assistance. Oh, I remember what happened. We actually got uh, suspended because we made a huge mistake. They assigned the category manager... And then, you know, we, we cleaned up everything. It took us, a, that's a whole different story, but I kept in touch with that person. So that right. person became our go-to person, even though she wasn't officially assigned to the account anymore because the problem was resolved. But, we, you know, I maintained the relationship and I asked her, I said, is there any way, like, instead of every Tuesday, can we change it to another day? And she said, no, no. She said, what happens is the exact moment in time you actually hit submit to complete your account application that is what sets the calendar yeah that's your that's your payday yeah so and uh, i said you it, it it would not be possible to change it because it would mean so many things would have to be sh uh, shuffled around not possible so then i started advising my my uh, clients i say look if you don't have a seller account, and this is true to this day, I tell everybody, if you don't have a seller account, you have to sign up for one, don't. Sit down and plan. If you're using FBA, think about when is the most number of orders coming and when Amazon ships them. So make that calculation. Of course, we know the busiest shopping day is Monday, and then the next one is Sunday. So you want to get that Sunday and Monday orders. So right. don't go signing up on a Sunday. Because <laughs> leave them up. I mean, of yeah, course. It's because Sunday. they'll be sitting on your money for yeah, a week, it, two weeks. Yeah, it's exactly. Instead of waiting for two weeks, you can get it the following day. So uh, so that's the... That's the, the, the Nick, calendar. that's great insight. I didn't even know that. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure Launchpad at the same thing. In your case, 45, 45 days, doesn't matter. It's, it's there because it sets the, it creates the account and it sets the calendar and all the cycles and everything. And it's automation at the highest level. And, exactly. and it's done, you know, predictably and precisely. And it's something that you can depend on. So uh, let me understand this, this Launchpad program a little bit more because I'm sure people will be very interested and this is not available easily, this information. Um, I mean, if you dig into it, I'm sure it's somewhere. But um, so it's a, it's basically a wholesale relationship. You're selling to Amazon, but who pays the advertising? 
do you pay the advertising? Does it come out of your proceeds or do they uh, take that cost? How does that work? Uh, within Launchpad, you get a tremendous amount of awareness and any new unique product can apply to be on Launchpad. And again, their job is to build companies. Launchpad, hence the name, which was perfectly uh, achieved. Yeah. But um, there are also many opportunities within Launchpad to participate in all of the different um, events or special days that may be around your product. You know, National Dog Day in my case. You know, I mean, Prime Day. You know, you can uh, position your company to be more visible during Prime Day via discounts for that specific day. Um, so the opportunities are, are endless, but you choose them. Mm -hmm. And the cost of it, is, is it their cost or your cost? It depends. It depends on the program. I see. Okay. Yeah. Within Launchpad, it was pretty much all covered. They, you know, they created awareness that is unimaginable. And, you know, they, they succeed by your success. Mm -hmm. That's how they're graded. Mm -hmm. So it is, it is part of their culture to, um, ensure that your your products are getting in front of the right eyeballs at, at the right as, time. As far as the the actual management of the listings, do you get to create them so you have control over the content or do they create it for you? How does that work? Uh, we created it all ourselves and we did it in conjunction with them. So we created the content and, and how to describe and educate the consumer about the product and would send it to them. And within Launchpad, you have basically a team that's working on you and with you, and they would uh, respond with helpful information that, you know, here are some key words you may want to include in your description. And we've uh, seen success uh, in stating this information, which you didn't include. So, it, yeah, it was a, a collaborative endeavor in, in what ultimately went up on the site. Um, video is critical on Amazon. And, you know, you must have video within your multiple product shop or shots and and everything else and they were early to that i mean let, let's face it it took facebook forever to catch up on the video side yeah and amazon knew that you know video clippics would sell product so they were early to that game but no it was a collaborative effort so uh i had a guest previously and uh, she, this lady actually worked in a private equity firm. They, they built their own brands, also they acquired brands. Mm -hmm. And her main point was, when you're selling on Amazon, you have to have, you cannot have a wholesale minded approach where you are looking to sell quantity and then shift pallets. 
you need to put premium on content. So, because people need to look at the information, they don't see the product, they see the information. So, in when you become part of Launchpad, what I'm hearing is that's still on you, right? Because they they will work with you, but it's your right. product. So therefore, you have to put the premium on content. Make sure that you have the right videos, the right descriptions, right pictures. And do they actually tell you, no, this is not good, this is not good, give us this, give us that? Or is it all on you to decide what to do? Um, well, it's all on us, but they were very helpful. And they do say, you know, um, your video is is 45 seconds. And we found through our data gathering that 30 seconds is the the maximum time that you're going to have the consumer watch. So we literally went back and customized our video to reduce it to 30 seconds. Um, and again, as far as content and the like, they, they would absolutely offer feedback and comments. You know, the individuals I worked with at Launchpad were humble, uh, enthusiastic, and um, again, driven to make the product a success because that's how they got graded. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Amazon people are... Amazon people are like that. There is a their whole culture is a very different culture. They work you to death, but uh, yes, they do. Uh, yeah, there is there is some turnover there, which of yeah. course we've experienced. And you know, this is not an um, and nor do I intend this to be an Amazon commercial. Um, you know, they do have their their challenges as well, as I'm certain you've heard many times over. Yeah, they don't keep you in the same position. They, they, they rotate people all the time. Yeah. They, they want the multi-faceted uh, uh, approach in, in an individual working at Amazon. Uh, so as far as the price, as you, you know, one of the most important things for a product is price. Of course. Price, right. So uh, who sets the end user price? You do or they do? or The company it? does. We do. Yes. You know, there is an MSRP, you know, manufactured suggested retail price, and that is set by the company. And, and it is worked backwards from there to determine, you know, what Amazon will make and, you know, any fees or anything else. And it's done in a very uh, transparent way where you know where you stand. One of the really, really unique things about Amazon is that they would place an order for, call it, six pallets of product. They came to our distribution center and picked it up because they could get it to their distribution centers cheaper than we could. So, you know, it was just logistically yeah, super helpful. Yeah. Uh, as far as the nature of the relationship, so if you are accepted into Launchpad, can you sell anywhere else? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, Launchpad becomes your Launchpad as a company. 
but you can sell where, wherever you want to sell on one of the challenges. And again, uh, you're not uh, trying not to be an Amazon commercial is, is that if let's say you have a super hot product, we had, we had it everywhere and we were actually using certain distributors and distributors would go on Amazon and sell against us and they would undercut us price-wise and Amazon would either meet that price or basically stand hold. But in effect, it, it, it was a, um, it was a negative hash mark on our product and our, um, ability to be bestseller and have all the other Amazon support. And in today's day and age, and as we look forward with, you know, my new company, Pawsey, which will truly revolutionize the pet industry as a whole across the board, um, you know, we are looking towards Amazon as being not only our launch partner, but our key partner. In my industry specifically, last year, 90% of online pet purchases consisted of Amazon and Chewy. That's pretty compelling when you consider the efficiencies and um, exposure and ease of operation in, in going that direction. And we'll look to big box retailers during the holiday, whether it be warehouse clubs or whatever the case, to ship in the pallets and, and meet the holidays, but online has become very compelling. Yeah. So th this is an interesting situation. So, because this happens fairly frequently. So you have a manufacturer or a brand owner, let's say they are selling on Amazon. Mm -hmm. In your case, you are not the seller. Amazon is the seller. You are right. the brand, but nevertheless, you could be the seller. So, but they also have a supply chain. They have distributors. And then of course, immediately a gray market is formed. So there are other companies who are not necessarily buying directly from the manufacturer. They end up buying the product. And then the next thing is they become a seller on that exact same listing. And they are competing with you. <clears throat> In this case with Amazon. And of course, it quickly becomes race to the bottom. Right. Price get. So uh, as a launch pad vendor, are you able to set things like map uh, pricing where you can have Amazon enforce that map pricing on those other sellers? Um, you actually cannot, to my awareness. And a perfect example, well, the underlying response is, be very careful who you sell to and having your product everywhere doesn't mean everything. Having your product in the right place and in front of the right people, that's what matters to avoid that gray market. And, and here is an example in my experience uh, through Betsy where Best Buy and Walmart both 
had our product, supported it, and and also had it online. Well, they immediately adjust to anybody online with a lower price. So, you know, I would get an alert that Best Buy just went from 169 to 149. Within 20 minutes, I would get an alert that Walmart made the same price drop. So now I'm on the phone with both buyers at Walmart and Best Buy, and neither is going to flinch first. It's like, I'm not going to raise my price until they raise your, they raise theirs. So it becomes very uh, difficult to manage your market, especially in today's day and age where everything's a click away. So one giant piece of advice I could give to any entrepreneur out there bringing a physical product to market is just be, be very careful whom you sell to and make sure that you're strategic about it. Because again, being everywhere is not everything. It it simply isn't and becomes a nightmare and a headache. And as you said earlier, Nick, it's, it becomes a race to the bottom. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I, I've had situations with my clients at the very least, I, I say to, to my clients, you must have a strategy. You cannot go and just sell, sell, sell mentality. This is not a selling business. This is about value building. So in order to build that value, you have to have a strategy of what your distribution is going to be, who you're going to sell to. And also, whoever you're going to sell to, you must have a legal agreement that says that uh, Selling Amazon, yeah, right, right. First of all, rights to sell on Amazon, you grant them or you don't grant them. That has to be spelt out. In addition, any map pricing, and then what the consequences will be, and things like that. All that needs to be done. And uh, I mean, as you put it uh, perfectly, it becomes a nightmare after the genie is out of the bottle because now you you get it back in people. And you see that selling on Amazon, and you go back and say, "Oh, don't sell on Amazon." Well, you never told us anything. We never signed anything. You know, tough life. And by that time, they reached critical mass with you. You're gonna lose the customer. I actually had a guest uh, who uh, did. They do uh, the company is called Jelco. They do seats, and they had that problem, and their products were being discounted, and they actually fired some large distributors in order to gain control of their their business. So uh, it does become a mess, but you have to do this right from the get-go. You do. And, you know, I go back to the generational change and COVID, which is the gift that keeps on giving to online sales, because I know I significantly purchase more online than I ever did before COVID. And it allows you to control your market. And having experienced and, you know, I cut my teeth in the video game industry and it was all about getting your game on every shelf and the number of storefronts that your product was in. 
And that mentality is no longer viable. The more storefronts that your product is in, I would contend the lower your margins are. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, launch with a laser focused um, position so you can maintain price point. You're going to get the eyeballs and, you know, and market appropriately online where you can gauge the effectiveness of your advertisements and the click throughs. Um, the days of, of being in 40,000 storefronts, I hear that as a, you know, uh, personal investor as well. It's like, yikes, you know, that red flag, red flag. Yeah. 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 I I, I hear this from, you know, one of the, the, the best things about America is there are entrepreneurs all over the place and idea people. At that, but to my surprise, I wasn't born in this country. So, you know, everybody looks to America as the, the professional. Nick, where were you born? I was born in Turkey. Okay. So, you know, we, you know, we invented the negotiation, you know. <laughs> so, but the point is how to run a business. Everybody looks to America. You know, there's all these because. The, the whole world sees these big corporations and Amazons and Facebooks, and they think that this is how business is conducted. As yet, what I learned, to my surprise, and I tell my friends, and they say, you really? This is how it is? People in this country, generally speaking, your, your average entrepreneur is brilliant at coming up with ideas, product ideas. They are great deal makers, negotiators, salespeople. They sell, sell, sell. They have. They are clueless about running a business. Yeah, clueless. I would agree. They don't, know. they don't understand strategy. They don't understand distribution. They don't understand margin. They don't. I mean, they don't know how to calculate the gross margin and net margin. So when I learned this, it's unbelievable. And of course, when you go online, now all these have to be put to work. So you have to think right. about what price point. What are my margins? What what will be my distribution strategy? It's it's this is high value work, which by the way doesn't take too much time, and they, they have no patience for it. Right? They sell 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 sell. As a as an entrepreneur at fifty three years fifty three years old and been through a lot of different companies, um, the best entrepreneurs and the most successful that I've ever met. Um, know what they're not good at and they hire somebody better. Yeah. And, you know, that's exactly what you're speaking about. These individuals come in and I think that's what Launchpad was uh, part of the impetus of that concept was that people have great ideas and put it up there, but then they don't know what to do and, you know, they don't know how to launch it and they don't, you know, have necessarily the well-rounded business sense and you know they position themselves as okay you've got a great idea people like it you've raised money and why let us be your go-to-market approach so to really summarize because this is something we've never covered on amazon legends before so uh, i i appreciate the the knowledge and the 
the experience. Um, so Launchpad, if you can get accepted into the program where you have a very innovative product, then it becomes a vendor relationship with Amazon with much, much more attractive terms than these big box stores that are paid like clockwork. And advertising can be based on your choice at your cost or at Amazon's cost. But the real value is the exposure you get for being in Launchpad brings a lot of opportunities to you. However, you still have to have your team to manage your content, to make sure that your product is presented in the best possible way. And uh, I guess uh, make sure that your inventory replenishment is according to what Amazon requires, right? Because you run out of inventory, then right. that, that's the end of it. That's, so, yeah, that's not good. That's not good with them. Yeah. An interesting thing, an interesting thing that you just brought up was that we, as a company at uh, Petzilla, we had two individuals that basically managed Amazon to ensure that everything was going okay. And there are always bumps along the road. And, you know, if you get too many returns within a set period of time, they will, they'll basically close you down until you can respond to the customer's complaint and prove that it's, it's not a failure in the product or, you know, miscue. So it, it does require uh, parenting. Another thing from a logistics, and, you know, I go back to Amazon being all things but perfect. And during the holiday season, we experienced multiple years in a row where their algorithms didn't order enough product. So we're heading into the season and the, you know, they've picked up product and we see online that it's hit their docks. And there were times that it would take up to two weeks before they would show it available again on Amazon. So, you know, they, and I don't know if it was because it was initial, you know, launch pad, but, uh, but they were conservative. And of course, what we did is we did our own FBA and shipped pallets there so that when Amazon ran out because they underordered, we were right there behind them with product direct from the manufacturer. And it was these types of um, learning experiences that, that really... Um, made it such a good partnership and then there were alternatives you weren't just out of luck and you know they'll take shipments and i think i remember it as being up to three weeks before the holidays maybe two weeks they'll accept shipments and you're yelling you're like you're not ordering enough you're not ordering enough well do something about it and you know separately create your own uh, you know Fulfilled by merchant, yeah, you grab PM and ship the product to their distribution centers and have it sitting there. Yeah. 
And there were instances where they would actually cross dock and we would give them product out of our stash in their warehouse to have it back up as sold by Amazon. So, um, you know, again, glitches and, and things that you work through, but yeah, you always you always have to improvise based on what's going on. So this is uh, so this is also very interesting information. So when you are in Launchpad, you can also as well as sending to Amazon, you could also sell it yourself. You could have your own supply chain. So that's that's very valuable information. So I'm sure people will uh, will look at it. So uh, David, this is this is great. So. Uh, Nick, one, la one last thing about uh, Launchpad is that consider it um, college or consider it getting your PhD because you're only on Launchpad for a set period of time before you mature beyond Launchpad and move into the traditional Amazon system. What is the time frame they, they allow for? I, you know, I don't know. At this point, um, I'm not certain. Is it time frame or is it sales volume? Um, I think it's a contribute. You know, there of course is an algorithm behind it, yeah, so yeah. I'm I'm certain it's a combination of of period of time and sales acceleration or deceleration. But Launchpad is a magnificent tool if if you can if you're available to use it and you pursue it. But you do mature beyond Launchpad. You know they do kick the you know the baby birds out of the nest and yeah. and let them fly. Yeah, um, they only had so much you know resources. Yeah, well, and well, they keep a smaller, more unique, and compelling series of products. So it you know it's always new and exciting when you go to Amazon Launchpad because you don't know what you're going to see next. And something that you saw last week may no longer be there, but it is on Amazon. Yeah. So, David, uh, tell us who David Clark is and what your passions are, where you live, and and uh, and how people can find you, your new company, Posey, of course. Uh, give us your contact information for the company as well as how people can reach you. Um, we'll post all this on our website and on YouTube, but um, tell us about David Clark. Well, um, we all know I'm a serial entrepreneur because we beat that horse, but um, I'm an individual that likes to think forward and has certain uh, morals and ethics. I, you know, I believe that as an entrepreneur, you never mess with your employees pay for their insurance. You take care of them because your company goes home every night and what keeps them coming back. And I very much believe in climb the mountain with me and, and for me, not because of me and make it a team and family effort. And that's the culture's that I've always tried to build and establish. Um, after 11 years in Silicon Valley, San Jose, California, and one public company in technology, and then Petzilla, I moved back to um, Florida, South Florida, Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. 
so that I could be closer to my, my kids and my grandkids. And was for the most part, um, enjoying that until the recognition of the opportunity that is pet today, driven by mass adoption during COVID by massive generational change by increased annual spend and just the, the timing that has become perfect for what it is I once envisioned and now a much more expanded vision of that. So, um, anyway, that's, that's it. We are in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. With and how can people uh, reach you? Website? LinkedIn. My Pawsy. With a Z. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> MyPawsy.com. And we are um, in our quiet period. So we're, we're managing the information that we put out. Uh, as development progresses and and we expand, and Nick, you'll be the you'll be one of the first to know that when well, we pull the trigger and we are live, I'll be yes. looking for your feedback. Yeah, uh, and, uh, I, I can't wait. Uh, anything that is data driven is always appealing to me because there is no guessing game. You know exactly, yeah. and you're bringing that to the pet world. So this is. This well, is pretty, it's, you know, as you put it at the beginning, beyond imagination, I, I'm sure. Well, and it goes back to the generational change. I mean, you know, millennials, and you have kids, correct? I don't have kids. Oh, you don't? Okay. Well, I, I have two millennials, and they research everything prior to making a decision. They are always yeah. on their phones. And, and in a flash, too. In a flash. Yeah, so in a flash. <laughs> but, but they are... They've grown up with access to data and they utilize it to make informed decisions. And there's no reason that, that they shouldn't have that same opportunity in being a better pet parent. Exactly. Exactly. Well, this has been great. Uh, today, I'm, I'm really lucky because usually we talk about operational challenges, how people uh, deal with it. But this is a very new concept. I'm sure people will... Uh, appreciate the knowledge. So um, thank you again. And um, this brings us to the end of another episode. And uh, I'll see you next time. Nick, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you, David. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Be sure and subscribe, rate, and review our show. And be sure and share an episode with a friend. And thank you so much for being with us today. We'll see you next week here on Amazon Legends.